You're listening to the Christian Humanist Radio Network, christianhumanist.org. Satan, your kingdom must come down. Satan, your kingdom must come down. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Satan, your kingdom must come down. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the Sectarian Review Podcast, and welcome to all of you watching the first few minutes of this episode on Facebook Live. Uh, I've never tried this before, but I thought I'd give it a run through. Um, feel free to shoot any questions at me, and I'll try to work them into this part of the show. Um, and I also want to very quickly remind you that engagement in general is kind of what the show is all about. So please go to iTunes, leave a review, that'll help other people find us, and I'll even read new reviews live on the air. Uh, my name is Danny Anderson, and I teach English at Mount Aloysius College in Pennsylvania. Joining me today is Coyle Neal, um, co-host of the City of Man podcast and associate professor of conservative indoctrination. Uh, is that right? At uh, Southwest Baptist University in Bolivar, Missouri. If, if I were better at my job, I suppose it might be that. But uh, <laughs> associate... uh, attempted conservative indoctrination. <laughs> I'm just trying to reverse the narrative that, you know, Marxist crazy professors. Uh, there's crazy conservative professors out there, too. Uh, and, there certainly are. <laughs> and a fine human being, though, actually. Cool is one of my favorite people. Um, and actually, what is your department that you're associate professor of? Uh, so I, I teach a uh, political science. We're we're a small enough college that we have a department of history and political science, and I do some history, but primarily political science. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, you know, the same thing in English. You know, I teach a lot of writing classes and a lot of lit classes and whatnot there as well. Uh, film right. classes when I can squeeze them in. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to tease my conservative friend Coyle here a little bit. And by the way, on Facebook Live, that's him on uh, on Skype right there. Um, Wave hello, Coyle. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna give you a f the first few minutes of this show here um, before I cut off the Facebook live feed, and then um, we will then uh, continue on with the show. If you want to hear the rest of it, and I hope you do, uh, please uh, wait Thursday. Wait till Thursday. It should be available on your um, podcatcher. So subscribe to the show if you haven't yet. Um, so this show was Coyle's request. So two things. Uh, first, please, if you're listening, do more of that. I'm really thrilled to have these conversations. And the more of them that begin with my dear listeners, the better. Uh, and second, I had never seen the movie Justice League until prepping for this show. Coyle had uh, thrown it out a few weeks ago. And uh, and I thought, well, OK, I guess we do all these Marvel movies. Why not the Justice League movie? Um, and I was actually really surprised by how much I liked it. Um, and maybe it's one of those cases where your expectations are so heavily you know, biased in one direction that anything would look good by comparison. That's happened to me, both movies that I expected to hate. I ended up liking and movies that I expected to really like. I liked a lot less than I expected. Um, but I was truly shocked at how badly this film gets reviewed. Um, so I have a thesis. I want to kind of throw that out there and then we'll sort of start the conversation. But uh, before you do that, can I ask a question? Yeah, please do. So is, is it that you had not seen the Justice League movie, but you've seen like the other DC movies I, or you just don't watch DC movies? No, no. I had seen all the DC movies. Um, okay. um, I had seen. Yeah, I've, I've seen them all, even Suicide Squad. And so, uh, yeah, I, I had seen them all and I really didn't like Suicide Squad very much. I really hated Batman versus Superman. In order to get this, I actually bought like a there was like a deal on Apple uh, where you could get all three movies 
Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, and this movie for like thirty bucks, and so right. I, I ended up getting them. And I went back and started watching Batman versus Superman, thinking maybe I misread that movie too, right? And so, and that's a very long movie, so I didn't get all the way through it. I actually watched this one twice this weekend. Uh, wow. But yeah, and so because I wanted to make sure that my first impression wasn't overly optimistic, I was trying to overcome some of that. Um, but yeah, so I ended up rewatching a little bit of Batman versus Superman. And I think I have a, a little bit more of a renewed respect for what DC is trying to do. And, and I guess we could talk about the whole Marvel versus DC thing as we go sure. on. Um, uh, did you have uh, a other follow-up question about that? No, I was, just, I was sort of curious as to, uh, like, if you just don't watch DC movies, why is that? And if you miss this one, but you've seen all the other ones, why did you miss this one? Yeah. But. No, no, no. I'd seen them all, and I hadn't gotten around to this one, basically. Uh, and it had gotten such terrible reviews, I think I just sort of dismissed it <laughs> offhand. Um, and maybe because I disliked Batman versus Superman so much, but, um, and like I said, I'm open to, the, I'm open to reinterpreting that, that, uh, view as well. Um, but, but I do have a thesis. So everybody loves Marvel right now and everybody hates DC right now. Uh, and I feel like there's an outsized adulation, I think, from Infinity War, which becomes even more galling when you pair it against the kind of snarky dismissal of Justice League. Um, and I have a theory about this. My theory is that people love what Marvel is doing because it's perfectly in sync with our current kind of liberal democratic ideological state. Okay. Marvel is, and I'm going to go with uh, Gramsci here. So this might, you know, just tone it down, Coil. It's okay. Uh, Marvel, I think, is an ideological state apparatus, if you will, uh, reflects, reflecting and pop, uh, perpetuating our shared values of equal rights for individuals and drone strikes for American military hegemony. Okay. Uh, and DC on the other hand is offering a decidedly pre-modern and even religious ideology uh, in the, in its movies. And I think that this is what critics really hate about it um, because it just doesn't fit with who we are right now. And so that's ultimately where I'm kind of wanting to go. Uh, uh, listener, if you're uh, have anything to say about that, please do uh comment and uh, and let me know what you think uh the facebook feed is here for that so if you have uh great uh agree agreements or disagreements with me or coil uh let us know on the facebook feed and, and we'll have uh, an extended conversation there and i'm going to cut you off after a few minutes here facebook uh so that you're encouraged to actually go download the actual episode um it's all about plugging the numbers here um so coil uh let's just before we get to sort of deep readings i guess of the movie um let's kind of just talk about the film as a film um do you want to do a quick plot summary uh yeah but can i uh can i give my theory of why it tanks yes. or uh, uh yeah uh so i i think i think you're right that it's the batman versus superman that cost justice league right i, mm -hmm. I think it, it did so poorly people went into this with expectations that it was going to be terrible. And then there was, there was no way out of that. Uh, I also think, and, and maybe we'll, we'll get to this later. I think the, the problem with justice league and the problem with Batman, uh, Batman versus Superman, uh, is basically Zack Snyder problem with man of steel is, is Zack Snyder. And, uh, uh, well, again, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into this. He, uh, like Tim Burton before him seems to really hate comic books. <laughs> okay. And, uh, <laughs> 
Well, and, and I think if you're going to make a comic book movie, and he's made tons of them, so I don't understand. I mean, I guess it's the money, right? Um, yeah. Uh, and the creativity that he gets to bring. I mean, he's clearly a technical genius of some kind. Yeah. Uh, but when he made Man of Steel, you know, way back in the day in the Dark Ages, when he made Man of Steel, uh, I was reading this interview with him. And he was like, you people don't understand Superman. He's this tortured figure. Yeah. And he's like really dark and really moody. And I'm like, have you ever read a Superman comic book in your life? <laughs> I, I see where you're going there. Um, I, I actually I want to push back though. I think he's, I think he loves comics, but I think he loves like Alan Moore's version of comics. Yeah, uh, that's fair. And, I think Alan Moore must hate comics too. So well, there's, there's I, that. there is a <laughs> definite self loathing, especially with superheroes, right? And so I mean, I don't think it's a you know, coincidence that Zack Snyder made the Watchmen movie, um, right. which is basically a frame by frame rendering of the comic. It's utterly. Um, Except the ending, they kind of revise yeah, a little yeah. bit and they get rid of the whole pirate narrative and all that. And incidentally, our last episode was about Alan Moore and, uh, and his work on um, Miracle Man, which came before Watchmen. But it's the same thing. It's this kind of cynical view of superpowered beings, right? And so I think what um, Zack Snyder is trying to do, starting with Man of Steel, which I actually liked at the time. I Oh, yeah, I, I like it too. But I, I have, yeah, this little despite def- all of the Zack Snyder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Def- this, I mean, I had this little defunct blog where I was defending it at the time. I didn't quite understand the hate for that movie at the time. I think I understand it better now in light of this movie. Um, but, uh, and, I, and I certainly did not like Batman versus Superman. Again, I, I'm willing to go back and review that to make sure that I wasn't just. Uh, looking at it from a wrong perspective, but I do think that um, he's got this deconstructive vision of um, uh, of superheroes, and he wants to kind of get in to its kind of the the mythos of it. And he doesn't want to just tell a superhero story; he wants to have this almost like um, like meta commentary about superhero stories as he's telling it. And, and maybe that's why people hate it, right? <laughs> is, right? Is what he's trying to do. Now he does have a very like I think great visual style except his use of color. I, I really hate the muted colors and that I think is less prominent here, maybe because of Joss Whedon taking it over um, because of the tragedy in, in Zack Snyder's life. If you're unaware, he dropped, he made half this movie and um, his, he had a, a child die in really tragic circumstances and, and he had to step away. And so um Joss Whedon of Avengers, uh, he steps in. And so, and really, I probably lightens the tone of the movie, I imagine. Um, right. But also, I think, lightens the, the color palette. <laughs> I noticed, like, Superman's suit is a lot bluer than it was uh, in earlier films, right? And so, um, I don't really like that muted color scheme. But the the shots he sets up are gorgeous. And, and I think he does have a great visual style. And I think he's trying to do something interesting. And I, I think he doesn't get enough credit for that. And so um, I, I can, I can agree with that. I just wish he would do it with something other than superhero <laughs> movies. I get you. I get, I get your point there. So let's uh, summarize the, the film for us. Uh, and we will spoil this movie, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good guys win. Sorry. There's, there's your, there's your spoiler. Uh, so uh, uh, basically the, uh, uh, the, uh, an alien invasion is happening of earth, right? Uh, and, uh, they, I think they only use the word once, but if you're familiar with the DC universe, it's dark side, uh, who's, who's, uh, setting this up, uh, sort of spearheaded by his Lieutenant Steppenwolf, which is the worst villain name you could possibly <laughs> come up with. And I'm, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's somewhere in the canon. I'm, I'm not that familiar with DC comics, but I'm sure he's, he's there and I'm sure there's some kind of mythical background to it. But I mean, honestly, they might as well have called him fog hat. You know, it's just, uh, 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 and, and, and I might just call him fog, fog hat for the rest of the episode. We'll see. Uh, so, uh, 
Uh, uh, the idea is uh, some some point in the distant past, this invasion had been tried before uh, using these uh, three boxes, uh, mother boxes, I believe they're called, that open a portal or do something or other uh, uh, that enable these uh, these uh, these extraterrestrial extraterrestrial forces to invade the Earth. Uh, well, in this distant past, uh, the the various peoples of the Earth had come together and fought back, uh, and I it was the Amazons and the uh, uh, the Atlanteans and the humans. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then they had sort of allies in the gods. Uh, so I think you get to see Zeus chucking lightning bolts at yeah. Steppenwolf, um, yeah. which again, there's, there's your, your metal band right there. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, we even get to see the green lanterns who notoriously are absent from this movie. Yes. Uh, after that train wreck of a Ryan Reynolds movie, I don't necessarily blame them. Yeah. But, I have uh, not seen that one yet. So, Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, and it's really unfortunate that it's so terrible because green lantern is probably my favorite of the DC characters. Yeah. Uh, so they, in, in the past, uh, they fought back. Uh, they, they formed their own sort of tripartite unity, uh, against the unity of these boxes, the, the mother boxes, I think they're called. Uh, they, they broke them apart. Each people took a box and, and buried them for all time or whatever. Uh, well now, uh, Steppenwolf is back. He's uniting the boxes and starting the invasion again. Uh, and this time, uh, the three peoples are, are so disunited, uh, that the humans don't even know the other two exist and the other two are living in secrecy and isolation and so on, which, uh, uh, some of which we know from the wonder woman movie, right? I mean, there's, there's, yeah. there's some lead up there. Uh, so now in the in the present, all of that is like you know two minutes of the movie. Uh, uh, so now uh, in the, in the present, this invasion is happening, uh, and and Batman is basically leading the charge, trying to, uh, uh, to to bring together people who are capable of responding to this invasion and, and of fighting it off. Uh, and as they're they're sort of dealing with the the scout forces, as they're they're dealing with these creatures that are that are flying around searching for the these boxes, uh, they they start to realize they're not going to be able to do it, uh, especially once they try to take on Steppenwolf himself. They they, uh, they alone are not enough, and they're going to need Superman back. Uh, so uh, they they resurrect Superman using this Kryptonian ship that apparently is still just sitting there with the door open, and everyone has access to. Uh, <laughs> well, there's some subterfuge uh, that gets him in there. Cyborg is able to uh, to trick right. the computer into giving them access. So yeah, there there's some plot holes in this movie. That one is covered a little bit, but <laughs> it is it is covered a little bit. Uh, uh, but there's also, I mean, there's no one in there. There's no cameras set. Uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> security is remarkably lax. Yes. Right. So they, they all together resurrect Superman using this Kryptonian technology. Uh, Superman uh, beats them all up uh, because of course he's, he's been dead and he's not all there yet. Uh, and then gets it back together when he, when they, they reunite him with Lois Lane. Uh, they then, I'm not entirely sure where Steppenwolf's headquarters are supposed to be other than that somewhere in Eastern Europe. Uh, I, yeah, I think near it's, Chernobyl, I think it is, looks like a Chernobyl setting. He chooses this abandoned landscape where there's a nuclear power plant and a few, for some reason, people living there. So, right, right. So, uh, they, they, they track him down to this place, uh, beat up all of his, his, uh, his minions, uh, and then beat him up and, and save the day. Yeah. Uh, I, and and I say they beat him up and save the day. And there's there's this talk all through the movie, and maybe maybe we should talk about this. There's talk all through the movie about how we have to stand together. The only way we can beat him is if we all stand together. And Batman and Aquaman and the Flash and and Wonder Woman and Cyborg and so on have to do all of this. What we really see at the end is Superman is the one who does it. Right? They they didn't really need a unity. They needed Superman to come along and punch him really hard in the face. <laughs> well, Cyborg actually is the one that, I mean, he's created of the alien technology that 
the the unity is made of right and so his right. his circuitry can can communicate basically and so he figures out how to separate the three boxes enough for superman to do it so cyborg is really the one that makes superman's ability to break it up even possible but i mean maybe i guess my my impression of that scene was yes he was he was doing something electronic-y, but it was still Superman who pulled them apart. Sure. And I, I'm not yeah. convinced he couldn't have just done that by himself. Uh, that's true. He does seem like even more powerful than in most Superman, Superman movies, actually. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that's a good point, actually. Um, yeah, and it's a great summary of the movie, too. Uh, I'm going to shut off the Facebook Live video uh, at this point. And so we are going to start talking about, just for a few minutes, the strengths and weaknesses of the movie. I want to get into the political and particularly religious imagination that this movie has. And then we're even going to compare it a little bit to uh, there's a cartoon called justice league war that Coyle directed me to. And it is on Hulu uh, that is um, a very similar plot. Actually it's yep. all, it's in many ways identical uh, and in many ways a little bit different, but it's, it's not significantly different before I go though. I just want to again, make my plug for the unfairness of the criticism here. A lot, this movie came out before infinity war, right? And a lot of what infinity war is doing is already been done in this movie, right? Uh, like Thanos is basically doing this, a similar kind of destructive act. I mean, he's a similar kind of character. He's better drawn out in infinity war than Steppenwolf is in this movie. Um, better CGI. Yeah. Better CGI too. Um, but uh, so a very similar plot there. There's also a lot of like nods to Lord of the Rings, uh, the whole like when Wonder Woman's telling the tale of the it's very much like the opening of the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, right. And so you have a, a, a big debt to Tolkien as well, I think. And so um, I, I think uh, if you went on Thursday when the show comes out, uh, take a listen. And if you have questions about it, um, please do let us know. And right now I'm going to finish the Facebook live. Say goodbye, Coil. Bye, Coil. <laughs> All right. And as that's saving up, I want to kind of move on into the next uh, um, the next segment here. So what um, are some of the strengths and weaknesses for Coil for you in the uh, 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 in this movie? Yeah. So not not to uh, not to keep comparing to Marvel, but I suppose we we have to do that. So I think it was the episode you did with uh, with Nathan Gilmore. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, Coyle's uh, witnessing me dropping everything as I'm trying to disassemble it. Go, go ahead. Yeah, so I, I think uh, I think that was that episode where you guys were talking about how with Marvel, uh, because of various copyright issues, all of their big names were sort of tied up with other companies. So Fantastic Four and Spider-Man and so on. So they had to basically draw out these obscure characters like Iron Man and Thor and, and make sort of forcibly tell good stories about them, good enough stories that people wanted to keep watching and eventually build this universe that you know now everyone is familiar with. Well, DC, I think, has the opposite problem. Yeah. Uh, everybody knows who Superman is. Everybody knows Batman and The Flash and Wonder Woman. And and honestly, if there are obscure characters, it's going to be Cyborg and Aqu- Aquaman, maybe not even so much. Uh, uh, you know, Green Lantern, who doesn't show up in this movie. And uh, 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 who am I leaving out? Um, I think that's all of them. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so, so uh, how do you how do you tell a story using people that everyone knows their backstory to that everyone's already familiar with? Uh, and how do you tell that in a way that's interesting, uh, without having to do all of the backstories again and without having to, uh, uh, have the awkwardness of that sort of popular collision going on. And I think they do a very good job of it. Uh, I, I think, uh, uh, in, in that sense, the, the strength of the movie is that they, they tell a story using well-known characters, uh, and it's not obtrusive. 
yeah. that the characters are well known. Like they just they sort of jump into it and go, and, it, and it's pretty well done. Yeah, the, the one thing I think, I mean, they, the only character you get a little bit of backstory for is Cyborg, and he's probably the least known of all the characters, right? And the Flash has a very successful TV series. Um, right. They just assume you know where the Flash's basic contour contours, right? Um, right. You get a little bit of uh, backstory, a little bit of development for Cyborg, um, but. I think you're right. For all the and one of the things that Homecoming, Spider-Man: Homecoming, gets praised for is it just like oh, it just skips the origin story. We've seen that a million times anyway. That's awesome. And in this movie, right. they do the same thing. They just jump to the action. And any kind of reasonably anybody who's going to go to this movie is going to be able to put it together, right? Um, and so right. I, I feel like I don't blame them at all for for what they were doing in terms of the uh, um, the character development. Yeah, and I, I think uh, so. Yeah, I think that's 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 a strength. Uh, I think the plot is actually a strength. Uh, it it is interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, even if you don't know some of the 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 sort of DC universe backstory with Darkseid and his continual invasion of various planets and so on, uh, even if you don't know that, it, it, it's still they give you enough backstory of the villain. Uh, yeah. uh, in this case, sort of uh, the the minor villain, you know, Steppenwolf. Uh, that it, it 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 is interesting. There's some drama. There's some tension there, uh, and uh, they. I think this will also be a weakness, but they 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 build up the villain in such a way that uh, there there is a reason for all of the superheroes to fight together. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Even yeah, absolutely. There's so many. Uh, it's he's so strong himself, right? Right. And he has so many minions that. It, any they need each other basically there's no way any one of them could have handled this probably other than superman who they need who's dead but yeah they need their other was to bring him back to life right you have this sort of interesting resurrection story there for sure yeah now the i think the other side of that is uh, and and this is a a weakness of the movie steppenwolf it's a little vague They're, they're very inconsistent with you know is is he super strong or not? I mean, he 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 wipes the floor with several of them several times, but then Aquaman stabs him in the shoulder with a you know this trident, and I'm like, well, wait a second, and, and that's the the nerd weakness in me coming up. I'm like, wait a second, you have to decide. Like, yeah. is he a match for Superman or is he not a match for Superman? And they they build him up as if he is, and then at the end, all of a sudden, you know, I think Batman even gets a punch in on him. I mean, and, and yeah. you know that guy doesn't have any superpowers. Yeah, uh, as is pointed out in the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, this movie, I mean, one of the things that Batman versus Superman, one of the reasons I didn't like it in my first viewing was that it was very grim, right? And right. this movie maybe overcompensates with some humor, but particularly with the character of the Flash, but I think it, it works really <laughs> well. And, and he's actually really funny. And I think makes, without the Flash in it and his humor, I think this movie would be a lot less watchable. Uh, right. And so, and they try to bring up some other comedic moments with other characters that work to varying degrees. I think Aquaman's humor falls a little flat on me. He's a little too point break uh, <laughs> for, for me. <laughs> sure. But, uh, but yeah, uh, but yeah, the, uh, but Batman tries to throw a few jokes out there as well. Some self-depreciating humor. Yeah. Which I think usually land for yeah. the most part. Yeah, I do too. Oh. Yeah. 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 So I, I think, I think those are all strengths. Uh, uh, weaknesses. Uh, the CGI is, is just abysmal. And uh, that's, uh, in, in, for, I was reading up on this apparently in part, that's because Zack Snyder left when he did, uh, apparently a lot of the movie was done like a, a significant portion of it was done to the point where they were the stuff that Joss Whedon was adding in or, or changing. They were doing, you know, a couple of weeks before the movie was released in theaters. Oh, wow. So, I mean, this was, this was uh, rushed and hurried. 
uh, and uh, which is which is why uh, uh, you know Superman. Uh, the actor's name is what Henry Henry Cavill. Cavill. Cavill yeah. So he was shooting another movie where he was obligated to have a beard, a mustache. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So they, they had to uh, CGI that out and they just didn't do a very good job. Uh, and then Steppenwolf uh, was also kind of a late, uh, the, the CGI on him was a, a very late addition and kind of sloppily done. Uh, and Warner brothers attitude. And, and maybe the real weakness behind all of this is the production company. Uh, Warner brothers knew they were going to get their investment back and they didn't really care. Mm-hmm. So unlike, you know, Marvel, which is deeply invested in, in both the success and the quality of their movies, Warner brothers seems not to care at all about Superman other than the check. Cause they know they're going to get the check. Yeah. They, they know people are going to go see it. Uh, they don't have to put any time or effort into it. So, so anything good in it has to come from the dedication of basically the, the lowest people on the totem pole. And there's only so much they can do without studio support. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually true. I think that, um, there was a few moments it did feel, um, patchy. Like I, I honestly, all CGI movies, like stand out to me as obviously CGI. Sure. So, so that's sure. not as big a point of criticism for me. Um, I, I, I've never, I never once as good as Thanos's CGI was, I never once thought that it was a real person. Right. I mean, it was always right. obvious to me, this is a CGI person. And so like, I, I, I don't, to me, I, while it isn't unimportant and while that it isn't a drawback to the movie, it isn't as serious as the critics make it sound. Critics, don't usually talk about that with other Marvel movies that are, that are more um, they're just as at least uh, CGI oriented. Right. And so I feel like, I feel like critics have a, uh, an aversion to this movie and they're finding other reasons to talk about They're finding they're nitpicking other reasons uh, to criticize the movie. Right. And I think the CGI thing is one like the, the, the mustache thing with Henry Cavill, there's a couple of scenes when it does look really awkward. Um, but most of the time I didn't notice it, you know, and so I don't know. It didn't, it didn't detract from my viewing experience and I knew about it going in too. So I was actually looking for it. And so I wondered if I didn't know that going in, whether it would, I would have even noticed, right? Um, sure. but yeah. Um, but yeah, so that those are definitely, um, drawbacks right in terms of the filmmaking for me the other kind of major drawback is there are a lot of plot holes and a lot of kind of <laughs> like lazy storytelling um there are like moments i don't know someone will just show up and there's no reason why they should have even known that anything was like when aquaman shows up while the tunnel is being flooded uh that they're in and they're in that one scene how would right. he have even known where they were and and it's oh gosh it's good it's, there's a lot of deus ex machina here right, uh, right. um which may actually go towards the the religious like vision that this thing has right maybe it is like the whole movie is uh, an importation of god of some sort into our kind of um rational world so maybe the English professor and me could find a way to read um, some <laughs> something actually purposeful and uh, quality in that. But uh, but yeah, I, I do think from a storytelling uh, perspective, there are a lot of like plot holes that don't really make a lot of sense and they don't bother to um, paste over. I would like to see an extended cut of this uh, where some of those are a little pasted over. I think they did do that with Batman versus Superman. I think they did um, add like 30 minutes of footage that, that filled out the plot a little bit, but um, yeah, so that that's the other kind of major weakness uh, for me. Um, like I said, in terms of strengths, I think that uh, the Flash is a great character. That actor was I forget his name, but um, he was terrific. Um, and and I thought that um, that character, 
I was not particularly um, excited to see on the big screen for some reason. And it actually right. worked really well for me. Um, I, I've seen a, a bit of the first season of that show and I, and I think it's really good. The, the, the uh, television version of the flash. Um, I don't know how it gets after about halfway through the first season. That's all I've seen of it. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, and so I, it was weird to me that they kind of just use a different actor and all that, but it worked really well um, for me um, ultimately. And, and I think that it does a good job of making use of wonder woman. Um, it, it builds on wonder woman, uh, the myth, not, not just the character, but the whole, like everything she brings in from her movie. Uh, it does a good job of bringing that into the, uh, into the movie as well. Um, Cause that is the one, that's the one DC movie that's even if, you don't think it's great. Everyone kind of admits that it's a good movie. Like no one thinks Wonder Woman's yeah. a terrible movie, right? Um, even, I mean, it, some people might think it's overrated or something. I, I've seen it like four times. I think it's great. Um, and so, um, but the leveraging her in the way they did, I think was, uh, was really smart. Um, so yeah, a lot of strengths to this movie. Another weakness actually just came to mind. I guess it goes with the CGI. Since Cyborg is really an important character in this movie, right? He's this um, this machine man, if you don't know, who was in an accident and his genius father uh, used this alien technology of these boxes. Um, not unlike the, um, oh gosh, what's the th- thing from the Avengers movie? The uh, oh, uh, Vision. No, no. Uh, yeah, well, kind of, he's like Vision. But uh, the what's the the Tesseract is the uh, right. the thing from the Avengers movie. These boxes are not unlike that. Actually, they kind of um, work as teleporting devices and energy devices and all that kind of thing. So, um, he's used uh, that energy to create this technology that creates this cyborg of his son, um, who he has this who, kind of who was in a car wreck or something. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, yeah, he was invented, I think, in 1980. He's a fairly recent um, invention um, of the DC universe, uh, and he's mostly known from the Teen Titans. Um, and so like, later on, he enters the Justice League, I think. But uh, but he's mostly a Teen Titan. Um, he's like a football star or something like that. Anyway, um, since he's so important, I think that they should have had a physical costume for him to intermesh with the CGI. Um, Sometimes, you know, when you're flying around doing that kind of stuff, they do it with Iron Man, right? But when you're standing on around talking to people, Tony Stark is wearing an actual Iron Man costume, right? Uh, Or Matthew or Robert Downey Jr. is at least. And so I think they could have taken the time to make a costume for him as well, right? And I think it would have um, brought a little bit more reality to that character and, and grounded him in our world a little bit more. Um, that is one point where the CGI kind of bothered me. But um, but all that aside, any other sort of strengths and weaknesses we should know about? I mean, I mean, the more will come out as we're we're talking through these topics you've got for us. I think it's a really interesting movie. Um, I want to ask you first. You were the one who suggested it, so. I want to give you the first um, swing at why it is you wanted to talk about this on a podcast. Like what stands out to you is as interesting about it. Oh yeah. So it was, it was basically while you guys were talking about infinity war, I was like, you know, a lot of, a lot of what you're saying about this was true with justice league, but nobody liked the movie. I I enjoyed the movie when I saw it, but I'm also, I'm pretty easy to please when it comes to films. Like I, I, there, there aren't a whole lot of movies that I just hate. Yeah. Um, I'm with you there. Honestly, I, I feel like, Someone's gone through the trouble. Like there are lots of artists and craftsmen involved in making a movie. I, I find it a little just elitist to dismiss it uh, as as trash. You know, I mean, someone invested a lot of themselves in this, and so I'm I'm quite generous with movies actually. But yeah, go ahead. 
No, no, and, and that's I was like, you know, I bet there's I bet there's a good conversation to be had here. So that was that was basically the the, the reason behind it, um, and because I I do like. Uh, even though I, I have not read a lot of them, uh, I do like comic books and I, I like the the movies. So I was like, yeah, we should we should probably talk about this. Well, in, uh, why why did you agree to it? Well, I, because I love to take up my listeners' suggestions, and this was a quick one I could do. I didn't have to do a, I didn't have to read an eight hundred page novel like Dune uh, <laughs> that we just talked about for City of Man. Uh, this will probably come out before that, but uh, it will, yeah, yeah, the City of Man and I, or I, Coyle had me on City of Man to talk about Dune, so and that was a great conversation, and so. Uh, it was a quick one, easy one to do. I didn't have to do a lot of research about it. And, um, and ultimately, um, uh, who was it? Uh, Chen Boulay, I think had asked me to do more Marvel movies. And so, uh, I, <laughs> I, I don't know for whatever reason, I just, uh, you know, broadly interpreted that as he wants more comic book movies. And so this one goes out to you, Chen Boulay. Uh, this, uh, also fits in with this kind of theme that we've been revisiting a little bit and actually follows up the Alan Moore episode that I just did with, um, with Chris Maverick and Wayne Wise of the Vox Populorum, uh, podcast, um, about Miracle Man pretty well, actually. So, um, do you want to talk about the politics first? Um, I, cause I feel like there's, a, there's definitely some political implication here um maybe more of political philosophy than than yeah. actual politics and then but i think the more interesting to me is the religion so but uh let's, sure. let's let's hit with the politics first yeah i mean obviously completely absent from this movie is any form of government anything yeah there is uh, no uh nobody making anybody sign documents like in <laughs> the avengers movies yeah there is no sort of like uh, centralized government at all here so go ahead. Right. And it's, it's, it's never even a thought that, uh, Hey, this, this guy is building this secret base to launch an attack on the earth from maybe we should tell the government and they can drop a nuke on it or something. Right. I mean, that, that's, ne- that's never brought up. It's never even on the table. Uh, other than when they, they, they do the fake passes to get into the, uh, the Kryptonian ship, yeah. which takes them all of, you know, 30 seconds to do. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's a uh, like in Batman versus Superman. There is quite a bit about government oversight. Yeah. There's a whole like thing where Congress gets bombed, right? Uh, and so uh, this that doesn't like pick that line up at all. It like really leaves behind a lot. I don't know how to say it. Like earthly politics, like uh, like this sort of neoliberal kind of. Um, a form of, I mean, not neoliberal, like liberal democracy, right? Uh, it, all the, the structures and institutions of liberal democracy, this movie kind of ignores, right? And, and I think that's why I think it's working on this more religious level. Um, right. and, and like, and sometimes very overtly, it's not even trying to be coy about it. But, um, and so, yeah, it is an interesting, um, gosh, uh, departure, I suppose, from our current political way of thinking in contrast to the Marvel movies, which are utterly immersed. I mean, for, for the last several years, the Marvel movies, ever since the Winter Soldier, really, but even before that, has been all about the government's stake in controlling super beings and, and who should be calling the shots, right? Um, that's, I mean, ultimately what Civil War becomes about. Um, right. This movie just kind of ignores that conversation. And maybe people think it feels false because it does so. Um, Which I'm, I'm fine with. I mean, like, like you said, Batman versus Superman was that. And, uh, uh, you know, lots, lots of politics there. And honestly, I'm fine with watching congressional committee meetings once in a while, but I also want to see Superman punch someone in the face. So uh, we, we got our committee meeting. Well, let's, let's move on. Much, much like, you know, Avengers Infinity War, right? They, uh, they, they don't go to the government in that movie either. Yeah. Uh, they, they just, 
do this thing, right? They, they, they just go to work and, uh, all of the stuff about government institutions and oversight is, is just completely out the window, uh, possibly for purposes of time. Like, but also it's just, we see Nick Fury at the very end and that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. It it is interesting. Like Batman versus Superman. I I know I, when I bought the package, uh, it came with the extended version, the ultimate version or whatever. And it's three hours long. Right. And this is only two. And and I almost feel like this should have been longer. Like they should have taken more time for this movie and less time for that one. Um, But uh, maybe that's one of the weaknesses of that movie is it dwelled on that kind of political minutia too much. But we also saw some of it in Wonder Woman. Right. I mean, she's battling against government or, you know, at least military bureaucracy um, as much as she is the, the villain in that movie. Right. And and ultimately that movie makes the decision that the bureaucratic stuff is subservient to the more mythological slash quasi religious narrative that it's be- these battle between gods that uh, Wonder Woman ends up becoming. Right. Um, and so I feel like in this this movie really takes its cue, its political cue from Wonder Woman. Like Wonder Woman already decided that earthly politics are less important than these kind of metaphysical concerns. Or or earthly politics are under the thumb of Mars or Ares or whoever Ares. it was. Like he he was the mid level bureaucrat, you know. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, true, the, right? The bad guys already got it. That, that's actually true, yeah. Um that's uh, that's I'm sure a conservative <laughs> would love to uh, uh, to take that up. That's actually, you know, right in line with conservative, uh, a lot of conservative rhetoric about small government, right? Uh, and, right. And if, if Steppenwolf had just run for president and promised to make Earth great again, <laughs> right, the whole thing would have just gone away and, and, and he would have won easily. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, and, and that's another thing that it shares with, um, I think, Tolkien. Like in Tolkien, you have, there's politics between these kingdoms, right? But all of that is kind of a subplot of this larger um, religious narrative, right? This mythological religious, and maybe I'm conflating those terms too closely. Uh, in, in for, for the sake of this discussion, listener, know that I'm not writing a paper about this. <laughs> and if I were, I would probably parse my terms more carefully. But for the sake of this discussion, I'm kind of conflating the mythological with the religious. Uh, and so I know that there are problems with doing that in some cases, but in a podcast, you know, who cares? Uh, so the, uh, th- that's kind of where I'm standing. And so, but that whole, that when Wonder Woman is flashing back to the early battle against Steppenwolf, I mean, that right. looked exactly like Lord of the Rings. I mean, like, even, oh, yeah. even Steppenwolf's outfit would have fit right, right in there. And, and yeah, and you have the combination of these mythical races fighting right alongside man. And that's a decidedly, like I said, pre-modern version of, of, the political world right and marvel does everything it's can it can to make everything about technology and to make everything scientific i suppose and material and dc is going another way with it it's going back to this mythical uh uh past in which their gods right. are fighting with men like on earth and so i think that you have this um uh kind of, like I said, departure from our normal way of um, thinking about the world. Marvel's utterly immersed in it. It makes it much more recognizable and easier to see as quote unquote important or relevant or something like that. DC, what DC is doing is rather old fashioned, I think. And, and I kind of appreciate what they're doing then. Uh, and, and this movie makes me even want to reevaluate Batman versus Superman a little bit. 
Yeah, and and there's certainly the idea that uh, you know we in the in this like you said mythical past we were united right together against the common foe. We were we were standing together against this uh, this this enemy from outside, but now we're divided and we're separated, and we've we've lost that strength. Uh, actually, uh, uh, as as you were you were talking, I, I I think there's probably some similarity. Have you seen the movie The Fifth Element? I have not actually. No. Um, okay. Well, it, it reminds me of that. We haven't seen it. So uh, okay. In in what in what respect? Oh, evil evil force from outside coming to wipe out the planet, and the the unified powers of the past have have been sort of lost and forgotten, and they have to reunite them and bring them back together, and and so on and so on. But it, it's it's a complicated movie, even if it's even as it's kind of a silly movie to try to explain. Um, but uh, but somewhat similar. Uh, how did I get on the fifth element? Oh, right, right, right. So this this idea of, of looking back to the past uh, and, uh, and and mythology and forgotten peoples and, and all of that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I honestly, I feel like it's not fair that I, I, I mean, I feel like DC is being judged because it's trying to do something different, right? And what it's trying to do kind of offends our modern enlightened uh, sensibility. And, and um, yeah, and so I think that that's, one way in which it's politics may seem strange to us now. Now there are like, Oh gosh, I guess among the gods, the new gods, these, this justice league, um, some interpersonal politics. Do you have any kind of, um, like take on, on how that plays out here? Yeah. So, uh, uh it's, it's, I, I, uh, I've read a very, I've read a lot of a very narrow strip of, uh, of DC comics. Uh, so I worked at borders bookstore. Oh, uh, I worked at Barnes and Noble. The year it went out of business. Uh, <laughs> not be, not because I worked there, but it was the year I went out of business. Uh, okay. and I, I decided I was going to take my lunch break. Every Correlation, day. not causation, right? Yeah, okay. I hope so. Anyway. Um, okay. actually the day I finished my training was the day I, I got the call from the manager that they were closing down. So, uh, I, 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 it took about a year to get them all closed, but I, I, for that year I worked for them. Uh, so I took my lunch break every day and, and read a, you know, a, a comic book collection just off the shelf. Uh, so if it, if it were, was released in sort of the early two thousands, I've probably read it if it was on the shelf at Porter's, uh, but in the comic books, uh, the the interpersonal relations, the the conflicts uh, within the Justice League from at least that selection are almost always uh, Batman and Green Lantern. Yeah, uh, it's, it's it's Batman and Green Lantern sort of going at each other. Uh, you know, the the cynical, the the working in the shadows, the subtle versus the the open and the bright and the optimistic and so on. Uh, well, there's there's no Green Lantern in this movie. Yeah. So uh, uh, there there's not that same kind of foil. Uh, for them to bounce off of. So what, what you end up with instead is is Batman and Wonder Woman, uh, which which isn't it's not the same dynamic mm-hmm. uh, in part uh, because, yes, she is stronger than him. But I think there are still cultural reasons we don't want to see uh, a man and a woman fighting over a leadership position. Yeah. Oh, that's right? interesting. For, for whichever side you're on, right? Yeah. Whether you're, you're on the, the feminist side and, and saying, yeah, I, I don't want to see that or on the more sort of traditionalist side and saying, yeah, I don't want to see that. Yeah. Uh, uh, but then there's, there's also kind of that interesting, uh, he's, he is pushing her to lead and, and she, I, I mean, I, I, how would how would you describe her response? She's she's not unwilling necessarily. Yeah, she ultimately does so very subtly, right? Um, it, it, whereas, in, it's interesting to me in Wonder Woman, 
she like just naturally becomes the leader of that band, right? She sees something that needs to be done in those trenches. I'm thinking of the scene in the, in the trenches. Um, and she just jumps out there and they all follow her lead. Right. And she doesn't even think about the, Oh, I guess the ramifications of, of doing that. She just sees something that needs done and does it. Other people follow her example. And my, what I gather from this movie is that Steve Trevor's death in that movie, again, spoiler, uh, like at the end of that movie causes her to question. I mean, she doesn't want to have that kind of authority over people. Right. She she she's suspicious uh, of leadership. Right. And power. And and so um, she sort of takes it on a bit reluctantly. because Superman's not there yet, right? He's still, he's, when he, even when he does come back for most of the movie, he's kind of finding himself. He doesn't really show up until the last end of the movie, right? Uh, as Superman in his costume. And so, a uniform, whatever that is called. And, uh, and so I feel like, naturally speaking, she sort of fills the gap out of necessity because Batman can't really be the leader of that group. It has to be a God. Right. <laughs> and so, um, well, other than he is right. I mean, it's, it's his plan. They use it's, uh, he is still the person calling the shots, even when she is nominally the one doing it. And everyone hates him. Like the whole time, everyone finds him either useless or annoying or distasteful. Right. Um, right. uh, even when cyborg agrees with him, he's like calculating. He says, while you were being a uh, a hole, I have been calculating numbers, and I think you're right, right? And so he's right. he's like not equipped to lead these people, right? And so he knows that to his credit, and he's trying to put somebody else into that position who is equipped to do it. And that's kind of what Wonder Woman's strength should be, though, is to, I mean, and so I think they do a good job of showing Wonder Woman's strength as the person who inspires other people to find the best in themselves, right? And that's kind of what a leader is, I, I would think. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I kind of shy away from these leadership discussions myself. I think they're a little Ted talky sure. mostly, <laughs> but, uh, sure. but, uh, but, but, you know, all the slogans say, say as much anyway. So yeah, I think that, um, that interpersonal relationship, those interpersonal politics between Batman and Wonder Woman are super interesting. Well, and of course, Aquaman is kind of, he, he is some kind of, of leader in his own kingdom. Although, they, they don't really get into that, and I don't know the Aquaman storyline a lot. It, it seems that he is not welcome there, but some part of the hierarchy in charge of yeah the undersea kingdom. And we're just we're not told, which again, it's, they just throw us into the story. You, yeah, you just kind of have to ascertain or infer that there's a some sort of cultural conflict between him because he's half human and the Atlanteans who recognize that he is the heir of the dead queen but don't really think of him as fully um, member of that society yet. So he has this very kind of loner kind of biker uh, aesthetic and, right. and attitude. And, um, and so, yeah, that character has obviously been rebooted since I knew anything about Aquaman because that's nothing like the Aquaman <laughs> that I always knew. Right. <laughs> and so uh, that, that I think Aquaman, he's cool looking and, and does really cool things. Right. But um, as a character, that's the worst to develop character, I think, in that sh- in that movie. Right. And so I have no idea. There's no way he can be the leader of that group. Right. Um, because he's such a loner. Right. Um, yeah. And so and, and then the Flash is like a kid. I mean, he's basically the 
the apprentice superhero this whole movie and it's him kind of finding the courage to be one of these people right um and so and and that I, the, the actor i think is just great i think i don't I, like i said i don't remember his name but uh it was i think he that performance is just wonderful and so uh and makes the movie a lot of fun when he's in it and and so um i do want to say i did after our little facebook live video adam sorber um we have this ongoing debate over the remake of the the wolfman with benicio del toro which it's a I, great movie i think is wonderful and and he thinks is trash and and he says uh i'm watching this a few minutes late i'm interested in to see where you take this justice league makes the 2010 version of the wolfman look like shakespeare in my humble opinion <laughs> And so we'll continue to disagree about the Wolfman. I think it's a great movie, actually. Um, and uh, but like I said, I'm more generous about than most people. Uh, but then he does also say you're not wrong about Batman versus Superman movie. Bob did a great three part deep dive a few months back called really that bad. <laughs> so and there's some links. If you go to our Facebook page, you'll find that video and you can watch Adam's links uh, there. Uh, I, Adam's a great friend of the show and uh, and. I'm, I respect his opinion. We totally disagree about apparently this and the Wolfman now. So um, um, let's use that as a, uh, a transition point to talk about what I think is really the heart and soul of why this movie doesn't click with our culture right now. And, and I think it's it's kind of too bad that it doesn't. And I really think that it's got a really interesting like religious vision of life and not a political vision of life. Right. And not a certainly not a bureaucratic political vision of life right these are um gods going off and doing what gods do right and it doesn't also it also doesn't have that alan moore critique of superheroes um i mean that all superheroes are essentially fascist to alan moore right and so you don't get that that is heroic uh there are they are heroic in this movie so what are your thoughts on the kind of religious vision or implication that this movie sets forth for us yeah, I mean, there's uh, so we've we already talked a little bit about the 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 mythical side, right? The idea yeah. that yeah, those those stories are at least in some ways true. Uh, there there are Amazons, there are there are or were gods, uh, small g gods, mm-hmm. uh, with with some kind of supernatural powers that are apparently very unfazing to Steppenwolf, but you know they they beat him, so yeah. I guess there, there's that. <laughs> uh, but I, I, obviously, there's the the big overarching theme of. Uh, uh, assuming that it is in fact Superman who saves the day at the end, which I I think it's undeniable that it yeah. is. Uh, they they it, it couldn't have he is the one who him, flies yeah. in, beats everyone up, breaks apart the boxes, saves all the people. I mean it, it's it's nice that there's a Justice League, but it could have just been a Superman movie too. Uh, but but really, who who do we need to come in to save us? Well, we we need the guy who who is one of us, but from outside, who died and was raised back to life. Yeah, right? I mean that's 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 who saves us. Yeah, starting with Man of Steel, right? I mean, he's right. obvious. I mean, the Christological like comparison with Superman is always there, right? You have this God Man, you know, this God who's raised by men, um, who you know becomes this sort of example, leader by example for people. There's always been this um, like Christ figure, um, right? I mean, at Superman. least back to the uh, the first Christopher Reeve movie, where yeah. you've got uh, the Marlon Brando voiceover of "This is my son, and I'm yes. I'm sending him to you," and, and <laughs> exactly. listen to him, and so on. Yeah, yeah, and and they don't even bother to like deny that in Man of Steel, right? There, I've said before in this podcast, I'm sure I always remember back. It's it's like the point where he's being interviewed in the in the by the jail or something in the in prison. Um, 
they ask him how old he is and he just says i'm 33 and it's like he it's almost like he's looking at the camera and winking like yeah this is a jesus story and so uh there's uh the the that this version of the Superman story has never denied that. Now, Superman is more interesting than just that, though. There's also the whole like Jewish immigrant narrative that, that is really at his his his, his heart. Um, he was created by two Jews in Cleveland, uh, Siegel and Schuster, and, sure. and and there's definitely. I mean, his name is very Jewish sounding, right? And so, and he has this kind of. Um, assimilation anxiety uh, that like a lot of Jews have. So there's a, a really deep uh, sort of Jewish cultural um, resonance with Superman as well. But the way that the movies have certainly taken him up, it's very easy to see this sort of Christ figure in him. Right. Um, and the story kind of writes itself in a lot of ways. Um, doesn't this like, I feel like, so you're right. And he does, he dies and gets resurrected, right? There's, it seems to be following this script, but doesn't this movie also subvert that like very straightforward Christ figure reading? Um, I mean, does it for you in any way? I mean, I, I, I mean, in, in that, in the, any parable, parable is not the right word. Um, what, what, what's the, you're, you're an English professor. What's the word I'm looking for? Air, allegory is not quite right either. Metaphor, uh, sort of allegory. Yeah, yeah, typological something, 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 okay. right? It's it's never going to be a one-to-one. Okay, so it's not allegory. By, by definition, it can't be. <laughs> allegory uh, uh, would be one-to-one, but yeah, so, okay. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, you know, other people raise him to life, right? It's it's an intentional action. So, in, you know, in the Bible, it's not like the Pharisees go and, and roll the stone away and right. shoot electricity through the mother box and raise Jesus to life or however, however they would have done it back then. You right? do have uh, two women greeting him upon his return. Like, you do have his uh, Lois Lane and his mother uh, both come back to greet him in that cornfield. So, that does kind of echo the, uh, the resurrection story, right? Um, although his mother, uh, his mother doesn't come back till the end, right? Um, what do you mean? So like his mother doesn't come back until the end of the movie. No, no. She, right before he goes off and takes on the costume. I I don't remember that. I, I, the, I thought that was at the very end. No, they're at the farm and okay. uh, Lois Lane, or he has flown Lois Lane, who has kind of snapped him out of his rage at being resurrected, right? right? Um, she He flies here back to his farm in Kansas. And then she has, here's another plot point. His mother just kind of dries up and <laughs> somehow knowing that gee, he's going to be there uh, for, with no explanation whatsoever. But, uh, and they show up and have a greeting then. And then next time we see him, he's in the costume fighting right. um, Steppenwolf. So, right. Yeah. So, so there's uh, I mean, obviously there, there's that sort of, this was an intentional act by the, by the people. Uh, and then, then there's the, the broader idea of the thing he's fighting against is an is an external alien invader, whereas of course in the in the gospel story it's our own sin, right? We are the bad guys, uh, so it's uh, we we are all Steppenwolf. Yeah. Uh, we're, yeah. We're, uh, Although he does have horns uh, in, on his helmet, he does, right? That's true. So there is sort of a Satan figure there, um, and so so there's a lot of ways in which it matches. But I feel like at its heart, this movie is about. I, I think I think it's a a departure from this kind of traditional Christian. Oh gosh. Like, like theocratic Christendom version of Christ as ruler. Okay. And and it gives that up because he becomes just a member of a pantheon um, at the end. Right. And you have this, I mean, obviously flash mirrors, Hermes and wonder woman mirrors, uh, 
who who would she mirror? Like some Probably Athena, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Athena. That's who I was just thinking. My mythology is a little weak at this point. Uh, and so yeah, and they all kind of map onto somebody. You know, Poseidon obviously with Aquaman, right. and um, and who knows what Cyborg would be, Vulcan maybe or somebody like that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you so you have this um, uh, like pantheon of gods that are now we're. I mean the closing narration that Lois Lane gives the movie is basically, Oh, we're so happy. The gods are back to, to protect us. Right. And so it's just a utter embrace, not of like the monotheistic Christian God where Christ is ruler. Um, so this isn't like a millennial story of Christ's Christ's return. It's giving right. that up actually to become this, um, part of this pantheon. And in addition to that, um, the, the bad guy who worships basically mother, which is this, when these three cubes come together, um, they become the unity, right? And that creates the planet in this hellscape image. So you have this clear kind of satanic, um, like imagery at the end when the earth starts to get terraformed yet again from man of steel. It's always right. about terraforming the earth. Right. Um, but the, uh, uh, it's three things. It's three boxes. There's a, cl- right. I think it's a pretty clear knock on Trinitarian theology, right? I mean, well, other, other than you have the, the three peoples, right? So, I mean, they're, they're mm-hmm. point counterpoint. So, you, I mean, you could argue, uh, I, I don't know how deep you we want to go into this because I, I highly doubt either the show writers or the original comic book writers were reading the Bible and pulling this stuff out. Uh, but you, you do see sort of the, the parody of the Trinity in the book of revelation, right? Where, where you've got the, the, the different beasts and the dragon, or I, I shows you how long it's been since I've read revelation, right? But, uh, <laughs> there, there's sort of that false parody of the Trinity. Well, you could argue that these, these boxes are the false parody of the true unity between the three peoples that, that defend the planet. Okay. So you think of it as more of a mocking then of, of, Trinity. I mean, they, they even say when wonder woman's giving the narrative, she even says, we, we form our own unity. Yes. Right. We we have our own Trinity three in one type thing, and then this is this is the invading, this is the bad guy kind of knockoff of that. And, and it's a pantheistic one, right? It, it's right. much more in common with Greek mythology. And so, like I said, just as in the old the old days of the old religion of the old um, uh, pagan religions. So each town or whatever would have their particular God. So if I lived on a seaside, Aquaman would be my favorite God, right? And then if I lived in Metropolis, it would be Superman. If I lived in Gotham City, it would be Batman. These are the people I would worship. And it isn't, it's not Christian at that point. Sure. So at some point, the Superman narrative gets inverted into a a pagan uh, mythology, right? And so I I think it's much more complicated and interesting than um, it appears on the surface. And I don't know, I do think that having the choice of three boxes is, I don't know, I I, I can't help but... I. It felt so overt to me. I can't believe someone, and I don't know the, maybe a listener is really familiar with the uh, the comic origins, because when you're making a comic book movie, it's drawing on a, a, a bazillion different storylines from the original comics, as well as previous movies. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of intertextuality going on in uh, in making a comic book movie, and, and there, this idea of the three boxes could have been established somewhere um, in on down the line there where someone you know, may or may not have been making this kind of um, religious argument. But I felt like it in relationship to the way the rest of the movie kind of undermines Superman's Christ likeness. Um, sure. I think that it's interesting. It's an interesting choice and, and it's something to, uh, to consider at least. And so if, if it's not, 
intentional. And as an English professor, I'm not, you know, you have the intentional fallacy, right? I'm not all that interested in what the author's intent was. Like they, they don't <laughs> often know what actually is interesting about their movie. If you, I mean, and it's true. If you read interviews with Alfred Hitchcock, I mean, he actually misremembers parts of his own movies, right? And so his intentions are less important than the actual product there. Human psychology right. does things. We do things as individuals even without being aware of what we're doing or why we're doing them, right? And I think art works the same way. There's some sort of subtextual thing that comes out outside of the artist's control. And, and I don't know. A lot of people hate, think that's postmodern bullcrap, but um, I, I actually think it's what makes art kind of interesting. <laughs> and so, and so uh, I, I'm willing to kind of uh, to go there more than some people are. Um, and uh, and yeah, so and I think w- I want to talk about his resurrection though in a little bit more detail. So when he comes back, he's like really sort of scary and angry. Like he wakes up, um, and his eyes like he you see his eyes crash open and it's kind of scary it looks like out of a horror film and he flies up in the air the rest of the justice league comes to like he's elevated at his old broken statue they're at the foot of that statue you have this almost kind of worship scenario going on and and it's really um tense and they end up having a battle Okay, Um, because for some reason, Cyborg's armor goes into defense mode without his will and and starts shooting. Oh, he's uh, he's being scanned the x-rays, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so his his armor does shoots at Superman and it starts this battle between all of the Justice League. Right. Instead Um, of him just leaving. Yeah, exactly. Right. And and so, like, what did you make of that resurrection scene? Because whether you like it or not, it's interesting. I mean, it's it's. In, in some ways, it's obviously uh, akin to the first Avengers movie where you get like the the two minutes of what if, uh, you know, what if Loki fought Iron Man, which all of us want to see. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that two minutes of everyone against everyone uh, all kind of lining up. Uh, so I, I think that was probably the big point there okay. was what happens if, you know, Wonder Woman takes a swing at Superman or Aquaman or <laughs> Cyborg or whatever. We, we know what's going to happen if Batman tries to fight him. So that's that's not even there. Right. Um, Who's faster, the Flash or Superman? Right? Yeah, uh, uh, which we get a little bit of at the end of the movie too. Yeah, so, there's, a, there's a post, there's a couple post credit scenes there, um, for sure, and that's one uh, of them. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think that's that's probably uh, that's probably the main reason for that scene is just to give a, otherwise, otherwise Superman would never fight them, right? He just he it's not the sort of thing he would do. But what does it do though to? our view of Superman. I mean, so it's in there maybe for a reason, right? But um, it actually, it does something to his character as well. And so, I mean, like, what does it actually say about Superman? Right. So you're, you're, I'm trying well, to I guess where, where are you going with that? I'm trying to overread the movie. I think, um, no, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so what does it, I mean, in terms of, if we're looking at him as a Christ figure, um, his resurrection is not a happy one. It's not a, a moment of joy, right? It's, right. it's, it's tension filled and it's scary. Right. And so, I mean, what does that say about Superman as, as God, as Jesus? <laughs> right. I mean, obviously they, they had talked before resurrecting him. They had talked about, you know, will even if we bring his body back, will it bring his mind back? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I think there is some idea there that, uh, he was dead. He was at peace. Uh, now he has been resurrected, and he's not happy about that. He, and he even says that to Batman, right? Uh, like you, you wanted me dead, and I was dead. And he doesn't quite say, "and I was happy," but I think that's sort of implied. Uh, and now you brought me back, and why won't you just leave me alone? Uh, so, 
in that sense, I, that might actually be a plot hole. It's a little unclear if he is uh, if he is angry because he's just irrational because he was just resurrected and you can't expect rationality, uh, or if he's angry because he's ra- rational and he's seriously irked at these superheroes for bringing him back to life and he was happy. Yeah. Uh, in in all of those cases, it's it's what it, whichever it is, it's Lois Lane that balances him out. Yes. Right? It's he he remembers what it is that he loves, uh, and that sort of snaps everything back into place. Yeah. And so yeah, that again, I mean, it emphasizes the human side over the deified side, right? Uh, of so Jesus didn't come back and say, "Oh, there's Mary Magdalene," right? <laughs> Unlike the Da Vinci Code, you know, this isn't the right. Vinci. I mean, that that's sort of the the premise of that. It's like let's make God entirely human, and this movie kind of does that. It's like it takes Jesus and overemphasizes his human part, right? And so, and this is something that was, I mean, his marriage or was he married or just had a relationship with Lois Lane and Batman versus living in sin. I I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Cohabitating at least in some way. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I I don't know what the implication is. And that's, you know, another major plot hole is, you know, Clark Kent has been gone for, you know, a year or whatever. So (laughs) all of a sudden he's back and that has to be explained somehow. (laughs) Yeah. And it's actually, his name is on his tombstone. He can't go back to his old job. Like, Oh dude, you were dead. You know, we've already paid off your, your, death benefit or whatever so um yeah (laughs) yes you would think his secret identity would be blown at this point right um and so which marvel again has no problem with doing which kind of irks me is maybe i'm maybe i'm a little old school there but um yeah so um yeah and so i think that i don't know i just feel that that resurrection scene was really interesting and 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 superman was legitimately terrifying now i do seem to in the back of my mind remember when Superman died in the nineties, there was that right. death of Superman narrative. Um, when he did come back, wasn't there like four forms that he took or something? There were like four different Supermen. I, I really can't remember. Uh, listeners, uh, I, those of you who like comics will, will totally shame me for not remembering all this. I was never a big DC reader though. So, uh, I didn't really follow it. Um, but yeah, there was some question about what happens when you bring Superman back to life. So I think they were trying to encapsulate that a bit in this one right. scene in, uh, in this movie. But I also think it relates interestingly to this kind of, um, uh, political stuff, uh, that's been going on there, uh, or religious stuff, excuse me, that's been going on, uh, throughout this movie. Well, and, and there's probably the cautionary point of, you know, now now they know they have this thing that they can use to raise people from the dead. Uh, so maybe that's the nice little warning that, hey, we shouldn't just do this because we feel like it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The Flash keeps bringing up Pet Cemetery, right? Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> which is actually pretty funny, actually. Sometimes dead is better. You know? <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, well, let's move on a little bit. Um, I have like two more points I want to make. Uh, first of all, you um, mentioned to me. Um, to compare this to Justice League War, there was a, a cartoon version that I found on Hulu, and apparently, and then while finding that, there's a whole slew of these Justice League movies that I had no idea existed. One looks really interesting, Justice League Dark. It's like Batman mm-hmm. and Constantine and stuff. That looks like right up my alley. I'll have to take a look at it at some point. But um, you pointed out to me this is a very similar plot, uh, but you like that cartoon better than the movie. Yeah, so honestly, uh, DC, and I, I have not seen a lot of these, but it's it's my understanding that the DC cartoon movies are pretty regularly solid. Mm-hmm. Like they're, in general, DC has done an excellent job of, of cranking out these these animated features uh, in, in a way that Marvel 
I, I suppose I don't even know if there are Marvel animated features or not. Yeah, there are actually. Um, yeah, I, I watched the Doctor Strange one actually, which is all very almost identical to the Ultimate Doctor Strange movie. It's really weird actually. So right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's my understanding that DC's D, these these are all pretty solid. And, and to be fair, the ones I've seen have been all very good. Starting with, uh, I, I think I want to say the first one was uh, the the Batman Mask of the Phantasm movie in the in the late nineties, uh, and it was. So I I had grown up watching uh, cartoons, uh, cartoon superhero stuff Saturday mornings. Uh, so there there was a Batman cartoon, there was a Spider Man cartoon, a Fantastic Four cartoon, and there there some of them are a little more serious, some of them are, are a little more lighthearted. Uh, but Mask of the Phantasm, I mean, it was grim and it was dark and it was you know a complicated plot and it was basically a, I think in some ways it was the the movie that the people at DC who care about their characters wish the Tim Burton Batman movies had been. <laughs> okay. Uh, and maybe especially the George Clooney Batman movie had been. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Burton so, yeah, there's, the- there's just a whole line of these where, where, where basically uh, they, they get to kind of do whatever they want creatively and it ends up being good. Uh, and the justice league war movie is, is one that I had, I think it had been a red box or something. Uh, so I, I grabbed it and watched it. I was like, you know, this is actually a pretty good movie. And, and you, because it's animated, you get uh, a lot more flexibility, both in what the characters can do. Uh, and you have kind of the full justice league. Right. So, uh, yeah, you do have green lantern, um, who replaces, there is no Aquaman. Uh, so green lantern right. sort of replaces Aquaman and you add to it Shazam. Who's, who's actually interesting. I had no idea that Shazam was, was, uh, a current uh, DC character actually. And so, yeah, so that's basically, I think everybody's the same except um, Green right. Lantern and Shazam instead of Aquaman. Are, are we not supposed to call him Captain Marvel? Is that too confusing with the, uh, the upcoming? Uh, um, I, yeah, they called him Shazam in the, sh- in the cartoon. Um, that's what he says actually. Shazam. And, and right, then, right. Right. So that's, that turns him from the little kid into the, yeah. Into um, the very immature superhero. Yeah. I think there's, I know there's copyright ownership, uh, controversy between those characters because marvel yeah um i should chris maverick and wayne wise if you guys are listening you guys will know all about that (laughs) uh, material history of that name captain marvel um because yeah there was that was shazam's original name right and honestly miracle man is was called marvel man but Marvel didn't like that. So that's Alan Moore took it over and they called it miracle man. Um, but it's kind of interchangeable at this point because Marvel took it back and, or although who, who knows who owns that. And so, sure. but he's basically the same character. He has a secret word that transforms this normal schmuck into God. Right. And, and that's the right. same thing with Shazam uh, in this, in this cartoon. And he's interesting because he's like, kind of looks like Superman in a different costume and he can, seems to control lightning and can fly and all that kind of thing. Um, but he's actually a little kid, a little uh, orphan kid, basically. And he, his personality is that of a 13 year old boy, right? In this body. So he's actually kind of an interesting character in that, in that, in that movie. Lusting after yeah. wonder woman. And, and yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, I mean, I don't know how much you want me to say about it. Again, I think it's, it's basically the same plot. Uh, Superman is not dead at the beginning of this, uh, but he is, he is an unknown, right? They, they know aliens are attacking. They know that Superman's an alien. So, so Batman and Green Lantern team up to go, you know, basically capture Superman uh, and it does not end well for them. Uh, uh, You have this sort of glorious, they meet each other scene. The, the Batman Green Lantern interactions I think are fantastic. Yeah. They're very very Uh, funny. Yeah. Like you're, there's this great point when Green Lantern even asks him, are you just some dude in a bat suit? Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it dawns on him that he doesn't really have any powers, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it's it's a, a really interesting compliment to this movie, right? Um, now, I don't know that if they had filmed that as a movie, if it would have worked. I think it works as a cartoon, right? But, um, I don't know that it would. For one thing, it's utterly, it's incredibly sexist. I mean, they're all like oogly over Wonder Woman, like it's 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 very rapey um, <laughs> in a lot of ways. And so I don't know that it would play well on the big screen. And in, in some ways, it would made me uncomfortable to watch, uh, even <laughs> as a cartoon. And so, uh, yeah, they're all like just gagaing over wonder woman into like really annoying degrees um but yeah but it has a very similar plot and it's a really interesting compliment to this movie um the last thing i want to say and then i'll turn it over to you coil um is if you have any kind of final thoughts is um i really wish that the profit motive would be removed a bit from these comic book movies. I mean, I think that we would be able to get better. I mean, that's one reason I think that the small screen versions of them in many ways, in many cases are much more compelling. Like I think the, the first two daredevil seasons and the Jessica mm-hmm. Jones season um, that I've seen are great. And, uh, and, and I think much more compelling than things you see on the big screen because they're somewhat insulated from box office uh, expectations. Right. I mean, certainly Netflix, I'm sure counts downloads and that kind of streams and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, I think having that insulation from the profit motive allows them to do interesting things. And, and I kind of wish, I think that if these movies didn't have that kind of expectation put upon them, then they could tell really interesting stories, um, from a much more, on just a smaller scale. I'm understanding that because solo tanked, as a as a standalone Star Wars film, they're now putting on the hiatus all the st- standalone Star Wars films, and, and I think that's a terrible decision, right? Uh, like at least make them as Netflix movies. I mean, or or, or whoever you know, if you want to start your own streaming services, apparently Disney is. Uh, at least make them as that. I actually thought Solo was really interesting and really fun, and um, and who cares that it only made $200 million instead of $400 million, right? And so, um, and, and it reminds me. I actually enjoyed the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I thought the second one the was... The first one, anyway. Yeah, yeah. The, the second one wasn't terrible, but it was just way over stuffed, right? But at the end of that movie, it's opened up this really interesting, you know, these future sequels that will never happen now, right? And so I because those movies didn't do great, they just kind of gave it up in the middle. And I like I feel like I wish there was some way to create this level of superhero movie without box office being the primary driver of it. Um, because I feel like my fear is that because this movie was kind of widely panned, they're just going to kind of give up the direction. And one of the post credit se- se- scenes in this movie, you've got Lex Luthor meeting up with um, Deathstroke um, in, uh, to form the the counter to the Justice League. What's that called? The... Uh, oh. In Justice League, yeah, no, there was. A, I actually think there is an In Justice League, but I don't know if it's that or not. Yeah, I forget what it was called, but yeah, from when I was a kid. But anyway, there. And I hope they go there. I mean, I, I want to see another Justice League movie um, without any kind of concern for what people think about it, right? And so, and I think this one made enough money that they might do that. But that's just sort of my own little pitch to uh, for kind of superhero movies as art, as much as at least as commerce. And so, um, other thoughts yeah, and- on you, yeah. Oh, no, I'd, I'd, I'd actually agree with that, especially since, uh, I mean, the, uh, again, they, I, I think at this point, uh, Warner Brothers still has the advantage of knowing that they're going to make money. 
Yeah. Right. Uh, they, they don't have that same kind of pressure of, you know, Ant-Man yeah. where nobody's ever heard of it and who knows if they'll even go see it. Right. Uh, people are going to go see Superman and Batman and maybe they're, maybe they don't like the constraints of this has to be somewhat kid friendly because it's Superman and Batman, but honestly they're, they're going to make money. So you might as well tell a good story. Yeah. And I, I think the, the attitude is much more, we're going to make money. So we might as well just do a half hearted whatever. And, uh, you know, whatever they slap together is fine. We don't care as long as we we don't have to spend too much on it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I I'm I, I I'm not going full communist here, but I'm agreeing with you to some extent. <laughs> uh, uh, to the to the point of look, look, make make these good movies, and I know it's hard to tell a good Superman story. I mean, he's yeah. he's so powerful. I I understand that, but they do it in comic books all the time. Absolutely. Uh, and you've got you know seventy years worth of materials to pick from. Right. Uh, yeah, and and they'll they'll give a, a a really interesting writer, you know, a run on Superman, right? And you know, and it'll it'll open and it'll close, and then they move on to something else, right? And you don't have to worry about you know every, how many sales it's going to make necessarily, right? And so yeah, I feel like yeah, I wish that there was some way to tell these stories somewhat a little bit more removed from marketplace pressures, and maybe streaming is the way that it's going to go. Maybe that's that those those outlets are the way that it might happen in the future. Um, but yeah, once again, I, I just I feel like um, Marvel gets probably too much credit for what it's doing, and and I think it's it's. Simp- it's easy to like Marvel because it's so in tune with the way we are now as a culture and a society and the way we kind of the philosophically view ourselves and, and the way the world works. I think um, the what DC is doing is just so out of sync with our current culture because it's I think ultimately a religious vision rather than a liberal democratic division uh, or vision. So can I, can I, can I, pushback I, I, I agree <laughs> i think uh i guess my my one minor pushback might be look marvel how many marvel movies are we at now uh like 19 or 20 yeah i mean of those of those 19 or 20 movies and that's obviously not counting the the earlier fantastic four first yeah. three spider-man or whatever i mean how many of them were really awful um no none of yeah absolutely right none of them were really awful Whereas if we think of all of the uh, and and there's not a DC universe as such yet, other than these, you know, Man of Steel through through Justice League, you know, how many of those starting with the Christopher Reeve Superman movies up until now, how many of those were awful? Well, it's it's a lot. Yeah, there's right? quite I a mean, few. There's the Superman four and the George Clooney Batman and th- those the third Christopher Nolan movie, and I mean, it's, yeah, those don't have anything to do with this though. I mean, that's like lumping in the old Fantastic Four movies with the Marvel universe, right? Because they're no, they're, I I, I understand that, but people when people think Marvel movies, they don't think the old Fantastic Four. Right. When people think Superman, they do still think Christopher Reeve. Yeah, yeah, and they do still think Michael Keaton is Batman, and they do still think, yeah. I, 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 you know, I think so. There were two early iterations of Batman. There was the Tim Burton, the two with Michael Keaton, right? And right. then Joel Schumacher took over and and kind of ran it into the ground into just utter decadent parody. Uh, and and so that those there's kind of two older Batmans, and then the, the Christopher Nolan ones, right? And so um, I, I do think though that what I'm thinking of at least is this current iteration of the DC universe. This starting with Man of Steel. Going through um, Batman vs Superman, Wonder Woman, I guess Suicide Squad, and now um, this movie. So these five movies, um, I really think are probably 
not near as bad as critics want them to believe. Um, I really didn't think much of Suicide Squad. Um, maybe I need to revisit that. I am definitely going to revisit Batman versus Superman um, because I just want to check my own kind of impression of those movies. I get that there are things like plot holes that also exist in Marvel movies in which people like write off. Well, like it's just entertainment. Sure. Don't overread it. But then when Super these this DC this current iteration of the DC universe is committed to doing something interesting and people I think resent it for doing that. And, and, and I think that I think that the source of that resentment is that the religious vision of these movies offends our modern sensibility. Right. And, and I think this is imposing a pre-modern mindset on a modern audience. And I feel like people think it's, egotistical or retrograde or whatever. And, and and I think that a lot of the criticisms of these movies are just kind of um, not a priori, but uh, post priori, whatever uh, uh, posteriori, whatever it is. Uh, like I'm just looking for reasons to make, to support the claim that I want to make. Right. And so, right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I really encourage anybody who's still with us and who hasn't written me off as an idiot uh, to go back and, and revisit these movies with an open mind, particularly if you're a religious person, I think there's a lot of really interesting stuff here and not all of it. Happy news for Christians, right? Like I said, this, right. this movie seems to uh, issue Christendom for this more kind of ancient pagan uh, pantheistic religion. And so, um, but I think that's really interesting at least. And so I, I'm very grateful for Coyle Neal for uh, uh, making me watch Justice League, just <laughs> just as he made me read Dune, uh, and, and it was awesome as well. So uh, Coyle, uh, City of Man podcast, you guys are still pumping things out? Uh, we are. I don't know when we're dropping something next or what we're dropping next, but I know we've got one coming up on the decline of Western civilization and one on masculinity and one on Dune. So Absolutely. That's awesome. And you guys have a Facebook page uh, that you can keep in, in touch with. I know you guys post all kinds of really interesting political articles and current. Yeah, commentary. we do. I, I think it's like facebook.com city of man podcast, I think is yeah. what it is. I, I yeah. usually have that in front of me. If you go to Facebook, me on the spot, Danny. if you go to Facebook and just type in city of man, you'll see it come up in your bar um and yeah and then you can also you guys are also on itunes and all yes. the all the places that your podcasts come from um so uh if you guys have anybody listening here has any questions for me uh about this show my website is sectarianreviewpodcast.com and i also have facebook um please do go to itunes and uh and give me something to uh to bounce off of there and, and uh, spread the word about the show we uh we love our listeners and if you have any ideas for a show of your own uh please do let me know uh for coil neil i am danny anderson thanking you for listening to another episode of the sectarian review podcast Your